SOS Radio On Demand. It changed my heart. On Demand. It changes your life. Thanks for downloading Scott Harold's podcast. Even in the middle of the lowest of lows, we can still find God in our life. In every season, we're talking to Lisa Turkhurst. She leads Proverbs 31 Ministries. How are you today, Lisa? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a joy to be with you. You know, I've always wanted to ask you, you know, you chose Proverbs 31 as the name of your ministry. And I know there's so much that goes into the whole idea of being a Proverbs 31 woman, but what part of that jumped out to you most? And you're like, you know what, so much so that I want to champion this as a mantle for my whole ministry. So I actually didn't name it. A friend of mine did, who was with me at the very beginning. And I had not yet read Proverbs 31 when she brought that name. So the first time I read it, I was like, wait, what? This is not a great name for a ministry. This is kind of intimidating. Until I got to that verse, she laughs at the days to come and she smiles at the future. And I just really... I love the thought of smiling toward the future. And that's made possible by always knowing that even the circumstances that are right in front of us, though we don't, we can't instantly fix them or change them, we can still choose to see something beautiful in the process. But overall, what people probably don't know is that the woman described in Proverbs 31 is actually a woman of valor. This is a woman of military strength. Yeah. And so I think that is so descriptive of the battle that women are fighting for their families and for the culture right now. And so I'm more grateful now than ever that that's the name of our ministry. You know, and it's interesting, too, because you think about what we're fighting for. We're fighting for our marriages. We're fighting for our family. We're fighting for our faith. We're fighting for our health. I mean, this last year, it's been rough. And where have you felt that fight most pulling you, Lisa? Yeah, I would say I definitely have felt it in relationships. I also wound up getting COVID. And so Uh, I felt it, you know, in my health. And just, I think, just some of the harsh realities of not being able to gather like we were before and social distancing and wearing masks. I mean, I've been teaching people for years, don't put on a mask and, you know, in a spiritual sense and now in a physical sense, you know, it's like, but wait, physically do put on your masks, but still spiritually don't put on a mask, you know? So it's just, I think there were a lot of dynamics, but probably the hardest of all was for me was just the feeling of isolation. That's hard. And I think a lot of people could identify with that. I also think that what busyness was so good at covering up the pandemic brought to the surface. And uh, I was having a conversation with my counselor one day and I was frustrated about some family dynamics that happened within my family. And he said, Lisa, the pandemic is kind of like draining the lake and you're forced to see what's really there. Seriously. That's a good analogy. (laughs) Yeah. So I think people being forced to see what's really there, but being isolated and maybe not knowing exactly how to get the help that they need, that was really hard. So I became even more committed over the pandemic to put out through the Proverbs 31 podcast. We've done some series called Therapy and Theology and giving people theological and counseling help for many topics that really deal with the emotional trauma and struggle that a lot of people are going through, including myself. 
We're talking with Lisa Turkhurst from Proverbs 31 Ministries, and she's a best-selling author and actually has a new book. It's called Seeing Beautiful Again, and this digs into some devotionals. And I got to imagine, you know, when you're walking through a season like we've been through over this last year, our kids feel isolated. We feel isolated. We're all doing everything behind screens. And I know you travel a lot. You get to speak. You get to hug people. And you just feel like that intimacy that you crave and those relationships you crave they just do something when you don't have them for a year plus on end. Yeah. Well, when I put this devotion book together, I decided I wanted to take some of the best writing from my previous book. It's not supposed to be this way and forgiving what you can't forget and pull out some of the richest teaching and the most meaningful emotional help that was in both of those books and put it into one devotional. But I also wanted to go into my personal devotional that I kept during the pandemic and pull some of those writings, those very fresh, raw, real everyday writings and pull it into this as well. And then my favorite feature of seeing beautiful again are the letters that I wrote all throughout just as a check-in with the reader, because honestly, I want this book to not just feel like, oh, it's another devotion book. I want this to feel like the conversation you wish you could have with a really good friend when you're going through something hard. And so this book, it was important to me to write those letters just personally from my heart to remind my reader, hey, I see you. I love you. I believe you. And we're going to get through this together because I'm hurting too. So this is kind of like a, a devotion book, but also a conversation with a friend all in one. You know, in your new book, you wrote this and I love it. It says, you know, in the middle of the pain that you didn't cause, the changes you didn't want or the reality that you didn't know was coming, your life can still be beautiful. I mean, you experienced betrayal, you know, and you wrote about that in one of your previous books. You wrote about a cancer diagnosis as well. And what have you noticed about God's faithfulness when you're feeling like things are not okay and I just see my emotions, but I know God's faithful And I know I need to reconcile those, but I'm having a hard time actually doing that. I think it is very important not to deny your feelings because feelings are great indicators of what needs to be addressed. Maybe there's a past trauma or present trauma, or maybe the past and the present are culminating into this one event. So many times when we're facing something right now, my counselor loves to say, when it's hysterical, it's historical. (laughs) And in other words, so it's like when I'm having an out of proportion emotional reaction, like, and I'm getting kind of emotionally hysterical and like just fighting against whatever it is that's in front of me. When it's hysterical, it's often historical. It's often that I've pulled unhealed pain from my past into this present situation. And so I think we have to remember that it's good to not deny our feelings. Feelings indicate there's something that needs to be addressed. But while feelings are good indicators, they should never be dictators of how we act and react. And so we want to make sure, you know, I hear this statement a lot. People say, well, I just need to be true to myself. And I get it because I think it's kind of that same vein. Like I'm having these feelings and I'm not going to deny my feelings. So I get all of that. But what we want to maybe tweak the statement to say is 
I want to be true to my most healed, healthy, surrendered to God self, because if I'm true to an unhealed version of myself, that's going to lead me to some places I probably don't want to go. And it's interesting too, because you're talking about like, there's the, I want to be true to myself. And then there's my feelings, how I feel about something. And I think it's really interesting when we look at truth today, you know, it's like, okay, it's what's true to you isn't really an absolute truth. But also what is your history isn't really an absolute truth either. It's your history, but it's not someone else's history and it's not the history of the world. It's in our 40, 50 years of life history compared to all of eternity. And we try to place truth on that, but God looks at it like so much differently, doesn't he? Yeah, I recently did this this activity with my kids. My kids are grown now. They're all in their mid-20s and early 30s. And so, um, and I've got a lot of them. So (laughs) we were on vacation and I was reading a fiction book and I decided to take sentences from that fiction book that I found really interesting and put them in my phone. So one night at dinner, I said, I'm just gonna read y'all some of these interesting sentences but I'm not going to tell you the context that they were spoken in. And I I want you to just like say, okay, based on the sentence, here's what I think was going on. And what was so fascinating is no one got the context right. And so (laughs) I, when I told them the context of the book, then repeated the sentences, then they could get the meaning of the sentences. And I think this was an eye-opening reality to what you're talking about. Everyone brings to every conversation experiences or context within their own life. And if we don't understand the context of the other person, we run a very high risk of misunderstanding what they're thinking, what they're feeling, what they're saying. You know, there's a saying that you forgive and you forget, you know, just forgive, just forget. But that doesn't take into account the real hurt that happens and pain in relationships, especially when there's people close to you that hurt you. And we're talking with Lisa Turkhurst today on SWS Radio, and she leads Proverbs 31 Ministries and is a best-selling author. But, you know, Lisa, you went through a season where you really had to learn the meaning of that, saying, you know what, I'm not just going to forget but I'm going to forgive because there's some wrong that happened and I have to deal with that. And I want to work through that. I'm choosing to work through that, but it really takes a choice, doesn't it? It does. And I think the minute we say the word forgiveness, people can easily put walls up because they instantly bring to mind the most hurtful, hard realities that they've been through. And I get that. I really do get that. Nowhere in the Bible does it instruct us to forgive and forget. God can remember our sins no more, but I don't even know that it's humanly possible to always forgive and forget. And so if we say, oh, well, I can't forgive because I can't forget what happened, then that's going to hold us back from forgiveness. And I wrote this book because I had so much resistance around forgiveness. I knew that it was a command by God that I needed to be obedient in, but I had so much resistance, mainly because I kept waiting for the other person to say they were sorry or to Uh, own what they did or to suffer consequences that I felt like should be suffered so they wouldn't keep hurting me. And so, so much of my resistance around forgiveness was because I was waiting for another person to make choices. In essence, I was letting the person who hurt me hold my healing hostage. 
because I had no say so over whether or not they would ever say they were sorry or own what they did. And so one day I just decided, you know what? I don't think forgiveness is an unfair gift I have to give to the person that hurt me. I think forgiveness is God's provision to help my heart heal. And so that day I mentally just put a stake in the ground. And I just said, I deserve to stop suffering because of what this other person has done to me. And it's my choice. And I am choosing to forgive so that I can live. Elisa, what have you learned about boundaries when it comes to forgiveness? Because I know a lot of times we just know that we're supposed to forgive because God's called us to forgive, and he's forgiven us first. And so, okay, yeah, but obviously easier said than done when there's real harm that's happened. Or there's things that you see in injustice, you're like, I need to protect my kids from something repeating itself here. Or this person is doing destructive things, and I see patterns, and I can forgive the situation that happened to me, but I still see injustice that may be playing out here. What have you learned about boundaries when it comes to forgiving? Well, boundaries are not a sign of unforgiveness. I think people feel like, oh, if you forgive someone, then you have to allow them direct, close access to you all over again. And that's not true. You know, in the Bible where Jesus says, forgive 70 times seven, Jesus was not saying allow someone to abuse you and beat you into oblivion emotionally, spiritually, or physically. That's not what Jesus was teaching. That is not in keeping with who Jesus was and how Jesus is. I believe Jesus was saying, create enough boundaries or enough emotional distance to keep you safe so that if this person who's hurt you does not change, then you can still forgive them 70 times seven and not be destroyed in the process. So I think boundaries are very important. I think it's also important to understand what a boundary is. A boundary is not shoving the other person away. A boundary is meant to hold me together. And so I establish boundaries as a way to establish rules of health and unhealth in dynamics that are very complicated. And I always do challenge myself. I don't want to use these boundaries to manipulate or control or to retaliate against someone. So I work with my counselor a lot on deciding how do I establish healthy boundaries that really are meant to just hold me together so that I can be who I really am and not constantly live in the tunnel of chaos of other people's choices. I'll tell you, this last decade has showed a lot of us that there's unexpected things that come into life, right? We all think we're planning things out. And you know what? I'm going to make Jesus the center of my life. And I'm going to try to lead my family the best I can. And we're going to get plugged into church. But then you realize when you're following God, you know, he promises to walk with us. But it doesn't mean that we're immune to all the craziness of this world, right? And there's collateral damage to sin from other people. Then there's our own sin that causes problems and challenges. But, you know, it's interesting when we walk through these seasons. A lot of times we sort of get jaded and we sort of think like, okay, I got to question where God is in this, or I want to question why God didn't protect me from this. And you wrote a little bit about that in your new book, Lisa. I think what's really important is to not run ahead of God 
and predetermine the good that we feel God should do and then try to hold God accountable to that. Yeah. And I'm very attached to outcomes of my own making. I love to say, well, you know, God is certainly going to do good from this or bring good out of this. But my problem is then I run ahead and create this narrative in my head, this picture in my mind of the good that God should do. And then when God doesn't follow along with my script, then I can easily (laughs) get disillusioned with God himself. Right. And so I've started saying this prayer every day. I wake up. I say, God, I want to see you. God, I want to hear you. God, I want to know you. God, I want to follow hard after you. And I trade my will for thy will because I know you will. You see so much more of the bigger picture. So I'm not going to run into the future and make all these suggestions of what a good God should surely do. I'm going to stand in the faithfulness and the goodness of God today. So God, today, I'm choosing to look for you. Will you show me someone I need to forgive, someone I need to bless, and all the many ways that your goodness and your faithfulness are all around me? And that prayer has been so instrumental for me in just setting my perspective on looking for the good rather than getting frustrated at things not looking the way I think they should. And it's so interesting because we as Americans, we just want to think like, okay, God, I want you to be a part of my life. But when we're saying that, we're really saying, God, I want you to accommodate me. And God's like, wait, 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 you're not the central narrative of this story. You've only been around for a handful of decades here. Like the earth was created by my word. And there's a whole element of history that happened before you came here. And you're asking me to like accommodate you. It's so wild where when we can actually surrender and join what he's doing, we get a whole new perspective that it's not about me building an empire. It's about me being a part of God's kingdom. That's right. And I think also, you know, something that God's been challenging me to do lately is to name out loud the good things that are present in my life. And when I name out loud the good things that are present in my life, it reminds me of what God has done rather than parking my mind on the things that I'm so upset that God hasn't done. And if I can part my mind on the good things that he has done and be reminded of his faithfulness when he carries me through past things, now when I walk up to future things, I can say he got me through this and he will surely get me through that. We're talking with Lisa Turkhurst today at SWS Radio, and she has a new book called Seeing Beautiful Again. You know, it's interesting. This is we're wrapping up here, like in the middle of pain, We often ask all the questions like, why, 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 or did I cause this, or did somebody else cause this? It's like, we're always looking for the blame game. But a lot of times when there's pain, you learn that it really has nothing to do with you. It can, but what we learn is that it doesn't matter if it has anything to do with us, because we can abide in Jesus to walk with us through it. Well, and I think it's really important to remember that we live in a fallen world, And so we do want to take responsibilities for choices that we've made that have added to our own pain, but we can't get caught up in this notion 
of expecting things to eventually one day wake up and everything's tied up in a neat, nice bow and all the relationships are fixed and all the circumstances are good. The bank account is leveled out and, you know, <laughs> life is just hunky dory because we have to remember we are passing through. This is not our final destination. And if lesser loves ever completely satisfied us, we wouldn't have a need for Jesus. But when I hit those spots that are so disappointing in this life, and honestly, I hit them often, I think to myself, of course, of course, this is disappointing. Of course, this is happening because this is not heaven. I'm headed toward heaven, but this isn't it. <laughs> and thank goodness this isn't it, right? <laughs> I mean, I like Las Vegas, but come on. <laughs> I know, right? So here we go. <laughs> uh, we're talking with Lisa Turkers today. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. Oh, absolutely. It's an honor to be with you. And thank you for the work that you do to keep people encouraged and focused on the Lord. I appreciate you so much. Thanks for downloading the SOS Radio podcast. If you enjoy the discussion and want to help the podcast grow, you can make a $10 donation through SOSradio.net or inside the SOS Radio app. Thanks for your generosity. It helps us experiment with new things and keep the discussions fresh.